Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. Can we, oh, you're saying that, can we all stand up? We're going to pray together, sorry. So I look away and then you're, um, yeah. I really believe that God wants to release something significant this morning for all of us in the room, young guys, everybody. I, yeah, so let's just pray. Thank you, Father. Father, we want to make you all the space in this room tonight. We want to leave you all the space to speak, to release what you want to release. Father, this morning, it's all about you. We open our ears, our eyes to receive from you, Father. We open our hearts to receive your truth. And Lord, we pray that you would just speak and have your way in us this morning. Have your way in us this morning. We submit ourselves entirely to you fresh. Thank you for every word that you want to speak. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, you can sit down. Um, How many of you are excited this morning? Yeah. Apparently, I say excited a lot, so better get used to it, yeah? How many of you are excited this morning? Yeah. All right. So some of us are young people from the church were uh, off to Belgium um, over the weekend, and we went to a youth conference, and uh, the youth conference had a theme, and it was a drop zone. Uh, it was a reference to like Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where you will go into all the world and make disciples. So they would be dropped in certain zones of Belgium and uh, represent God there. Um, and we've been, what I thought, so I thought about this theme and what came to my head is, um, it's quite interesting because the first people who used drop zones and the planes and the people jumping off were the army. And so when actually, um, you know, a plane goes quite fast, right? Like it moves fast. And so when there is a, when you're above a drop zone, what is called the drop zone, so it's the zone where you're supposed to drop, yeah? Uh, When you're above it, you actually have between 30 seconds to two minutes for that unit to jump and make the drop zone. All right. So if within those two minutes, the whole unit doesn't jump, no matter how much they're going to guide their parachute and everything, they won't make the drop zone. And so if the captain goes like, jump, 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 no matter what the situation, you jump. And you don't, you can't second guess it. You just go for it. And so this morning, I want to talk to you guys, uh, to you guys about obedience. Because those units of soldiers Direct obedience is required from them to jump in those moments. No matter if it's dark, no matter if it's scary, no matter what it looks like, it's direct obedience. They have to jump. Otherwise, they're not going to make it to the goal or the objective or whatever, and then the enemy is going to win. Hey, do you see where I'm going with this? Hopefully, you, you, you're catching up. And we've been looking at uh, a theme of living like Jesus, and he uh, knows that Jesus was completely dependent on the Father. He was living in complete obedience to the Father. And when he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he said, Father, I do this and I'll publicly speak out right now so they know it's you and not me. It was a complete obedience and reliance on God the Father. And today I want to look at another story in the Bible where there was a man that had to obey God completely, even though it looked completely crazy. So if you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 to 12, um, we're going to look at this guy called Abraham. Have you ever heard of Abraham? Yeah? Okay, cool. Um, There's going to be a lot of scriptures going up on that screen this morning, but scriptures is good because it's truth, right? 
And it's the truth that sets us free. So I believe we just need more of it. Um, So all the scriptures are going to be on the screen. So we're going to just read it together. So it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham got called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Um, Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Now let's look at that sentence. Now I know that you truly fear God. Now what is this fear of the Lord? It sounds obviously a bit scary, maybe it sounds important. What is the fear of the Lord? Let me say right away, the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's not being afraid of God. It's actually knowing that God deserves all the glory, honor, praise. He deserves that we worship God. He's been in awe and reverence of him. And um, there are actually only two people in the Bible that are called friend of God. It's Abraham and Moses. Now, I believe God had many more friends in the Bible, and he calls us to be his friends. But there are two people that are referenced as friend of God in the Bible. If we look in Second Chronicles um, it says, oh, God, did you drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Now, I believe there's something out of Moses and Abraham's life, but in this case, out of Abraham's life, that is that we can get out from. That's why he was called a friend of God. I believe there's something specific that is in his life that we can learn from. And so he was called a friend of God. Now let's look at Psalm 25, verse 14. I told you there would be a lot of verses, but it says, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. So now you see Abraham's a friend of God, but we know that Abraham feared God and actually God is a friend to those who fear him. Do you see how important it is to fear the Lord this morning? And so what is this fear of God? As I said, it's not being afraid of God, but sometimes to better understand what something is, it's easier to describe what it's not. And what the fear of the Lord is not is something called familiarity. And 
familiarity, just to give you an example of what it can look like, when you're familiar with someone, maybe with, maybe with your friends, right? You'll be familiar with your friends. You're comfortable with them. You speak a certain way with them. You, you talk a certain way. You, you'll see your friends. You're like, oh, what one fam? Or, or what's up, G? I don't know what you say to your friends. Um, whatever. You're comfortable with them. Yeah, that was London slang. I felt real proud being able to say that because I'm from Belgium. We don't use that over there. So... Um, but you're comfortable with your friends, right? Yeah. So let's say now you're about to meet your in-laws, yeah? First time you're meeting your in-laws. What going on? No, you're not going to say that. But probably you're going to go like, good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. You look lovely this morning. Now may I kiss your daughter? I don't know. Uh, there's going to be a respect there. There's going to be a different type of relationship because you're fam familiar with your friends, but you're not familiar with your in-laws. And, and so let me, let me show you two examples in the Bible of stories where people got familiar with God. And that's where it gets real dangerous because with the in-laws, you might get away with it, but with God, you don't. Um, so let's look at a story in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, it's a story of Eli's son, sons, and it says, Now the sons of Eli were scrundles who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-plunged fork. While the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man, the man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. And a bit later, verse 22, it says, Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that another thing they did was that his son was seducing young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Now what's happening here? Eli's sons have no regard for their role as, as in the temple. They have no regard for the sacrifices that are come and offered. They take from the sacrifice, which means the sacrifice is not pure, is not whole, is not the best anymore. And women are coming to pray to the temple. And Eli's sons, they seduce them and they sleep with them. Sounds crazy, right? But is it so different from our church today? When's the last time you've heard of a leader cheating on his wife, a pastor cheating on his wife, someone in the congregation cheating on their wife with someone else? When's the last time you heard of, of abuse of leadership like Eli's sons? When's the, I've heard those stories before, let's be honest. When the, the offering, when's the last time that we haven't brought our best to God on a Sunday morning? When's the last time we, we haven't, we've taken his presence for granted. We've taken, we are living sacrifices. Our lives are supposed to be lived as a sacrifice. Let's be honest. When's the last time we haven't offered our best to God? 
There's not much difference between what's happening there, even though it sounds completely crazy when you read it, and the state of the church today. And Eli's sons, they thought because nothing's happening to us, it means God doesn't really care. It means God's okay with it. They've mistaken a delayed judgment for the absence of it. Therefore, because God didn't do anything right away, it's okay. We can keep doing what we're doing. He's fine with it. Everything we do has consequences. The way we live, the way we act, the way we speak has consequences. And don't mistake God's delayed judgment for an absence of it. We're going to look at a second story. It's found in Acts chapter 5. And just to set up the, 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 the thing around the story, in the end of chapter 4, all the disciples, the church at that point, the apostles, they, they put everything together. They live together. They have nothing of their own. And there's this guy that has a land, and he sells his land, and he comes with the whole amount of the money that he sold the land for, and he gives it to the church. And so the church is really blessed, and everybody celebrates, and they thank God. Enter chapter 5. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Zephira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostle claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, what was the price you and your husband received for your land? Was that the full price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you think of this, conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. What's happening here? And Anais and Zephira had a land, just like the other guy. And they could do whatever they wanted with that land. They chose to sell the land. And then they had some money, and it was fine not to give the whole amount. Peter says that it was fine. If you gave 80%, 90%, it didn't matter. It was fine if you kept the amount. But you chose to lie about the amount you gave. Why, you ask me? Because in the end, you're going to serve who you fear. And what happened is that Ananias and Zephira, when confronted about the amount that they sold, the land for they thought, oh, in the eyes of man, it's probably better if we say we sold the whole amount, right? Because, because we're going to look like the other guy. He cool. We cool. It's cool. No, it's not cool. And so they lie because in the end, in the nice and fear of fear, man more than they feared God. And you're going to serve who you fear. You're going to serve who you fear. This fear of the Lord, this awe, oh, this respect 
Yes, God is your friend. Yes, God is good. Yes, he's a good father, but he's also God Almighty, the great I am, the one who created the stars and the universe. He's the one who holds the world in his hand. We're in his presence right now. And he deserves everything from us. He deserves our best. And there are promises that come for people who fear God. Let's look at some of them quickly. If we look at Psalm 31, it says, How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavished it on those who come for you to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. So God's goodness is stored up for those who fear him. Let's look at the next one. Psalm 145, he grants the desires of those who? All right, we're getting somewhere. Yeah, tap your neighbor and say, we're getting somewhere. All right, cool. So he grants the desire of those who? All right, he hears their cries for help and rescues them. Let's look at the next one. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and mind. The spirit of knowledge and? Tap your neighbor again. Tell him we're getting somewhere. All right. The spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. All of those things are promises for those who? That's how important it is. Now we're going to go back to Abraham, our friend Abraham at the beginning. Because I think sometimes we read those stories And we're like, yeah, awesome. Good job, Abraham. I don't think we realize what was required of Abraham in that moment. God came up to Abraham and asked him to sacrifice his only son, the son of the promise. He waited for him so long. Him and Sarah waited for him so long. They cried for that son. Now God comes up and he's like, yo, Abraham. Yes, Lord. You're about to sacrifice that son you love. Do you hear any complaint, any discussion from Abraham? No. Yes, Lord. Yes, so let's look at the the story again in in Genesis. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, take your son Isaac, you love so much. And then it says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He got up early. There was no, God, are you sure this is a good idea? Like, it's my only son. It's not like I got 10 of them. I got one. And you're asking me to sacrifice him. God, I don't see how this is going to work. I don't, I don't think I would do it that way. There's none of that. He got up early the next morning. There's no discussion with God because when God says something, we are there to do it. We obey. That's what he requires from us. God purchased your whole life, not just a bit of it. You belong to him. You have decided to surrender your life to him. And so when he says something, we are there to respond and say yes and amen. And that's what Abraham does. And again, you think think this was easy, but that night before he got up the early morning, (laughs) he's married. He had to go on the bed, on the pillow talk and, and see Sarah. Do you think that was an easy moment? Oh, Sarah, Sarah, yeah, how was your day, Abraham? Well, Sarah, God spoke to me. <laughs> um, listen, God spoke to me and uh, he said, go and sacrifice Isaac. Do you think Sarah's, what was Sarah's response? She was probably like, oh, heck no. Nah. <laughs> you, you're not sacrificing my son. That's the only one I got. She probably went crazy. I don't know. In my head, she went completely mad. Like, it's her son. <laughs> like, she probably was like, Abraham, that's not, no. No, you can't, 
You can't do that. It probably wasn't an easy night for Abraham. Yeah. Or maybe, just maybe, it didn't happen like that. But when Abraham came and said, Sarah, I think God spoke to me. I know God spoke to me. And he said to go sacrifice Isaac. If Sarah was a God-fearing woman, just like Abraham, she probably cried. She probably thought it was the hardest thing ever. She probably also said, Abraham, we have to trust God. No matter how hard it looks, we have to trust God. He's a good father, but he's also God Almighty. And if he says so, go ahead, go with our son. Go with our son. And so he gets up the next early morning. And he took the, he takes the donkey, if you can go to the next bit. He takes the donkey, takes the wood for the fire. And it's not like they go five minutes away, right? On the third day of their journey, for three days they're walking. For three days they're walking. Abraham is there with, with his son Isaac. For three days they're walking. For three days these thoughts are running through Abraham's head. I'm about to kill my son. I'm about to kill my son. How's this going to work? I don't know, but I'm about to kill my son. They probably had conversations. Abraham probably went, Isaac, do you want to hear a joke? And Isaac was like, yes, dad. Do you want to hear a joke about construction? Yes, dad. I'm still working on it. And Isaac probably laughed. And the next thought in Abraham's head was like, I'm about to kill you, son. <laughs> it probably wasn't an easy time for Abraham. But still, he went through it. Still, there was no complaint. How many times do we complain, church? How many times does God speak and we complain? It's so easy. Go speak to that person. God, he big. He's scary. I don't know if he's going to like me speaking about you to him. Like, I don't know how he's going to react. No, go speak to him because I need to tell him something. Go over there. Oh, God, it looks dark over there. Like, it looks, nah, I don't know if I want to. No, there's no complaint. There's no nothing. If God says you do, because every time you take the decision to jump, yeah. God is faithful to see you through. Yeah. And yeah, it may, be, it may seem scary. It may seem big. It may seem huge. You may think, I can't do this. Great. That's exactly where God wants you to be. Do you think I feel like I can do this right now? <laughs> Ask the guys I've been crying, wanting to run away. <laughs> but every time you jump, God is faithful to carry you through. He's faithful to speak through you. He's faithful to release what he wants to release. There's no complaint from Abraham. There's no complaint. And also, another aspect of the story that's completely crazy. Let's look at what it says about Isaac. Um, it says, at the end of there. So Abraham, no, if you go back, sorry. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. It's not Abraham carrying the wood, it's Isaac. Why? Because we always picture, well, at least I picture this story as Isaac being a small kid. But actually... Scholars and people that have studied, they reckon Isaac was between 20 and 30 years old when that happened. He's carrying the wood, which means he's stronger than his dad right now. He's stronger than his dad right now. Let's go to the next bit. He's stronger than his dad carrying the wood. Isaac, uh, if you go in the next one. It says, then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Do you see any reaction from Isaac? Man, if my dad's about to tie me, I'm like, I'm bigger than you. <laughs> Run away. I'm about to drop you. No, <laughs> I don't say that to my dad. I love my dad. <laughs> Do you see any reaction from Isaac? This complete trust in his father. Yeah. This complete trust he knows. 
man, if this is happening, my, my father better have a good, but he's a God-fearing son. He trusts his father. He knows his father is a God-fearing man. He knows if my dad is doing this, something good's got to come out of this. There is no reaction from Isaac. And I think sometimes we just take things a bit lightly. And maybe we react and maybe we complain and maybe we try to discuss with God. But there is none of them there because... Abraham was a God-fearing man and he knew when God says something, it's time to do what he says. And a couple weeks ago, I had this picture. We were praying for unsafe friends and family and God gave me this picture of this church. And I want you to close your eyes right now and I want you to picture that picture. I want you to see it in your mind. And for some of you, and for probably most of us, it's going to sound like another one of those pictures. It's going to sound like, oh, I've heard this before. I've seen this before. People have talked about this before. Park all that. I want you to see that with fresh eyes. So I'm outside, and I come to church, and I see a line of people that goes down the street. I see people queuing till down the street. And they're waiting to come in. But the doors are open. And like, it's like, it's like they're not, the line is not moving forward. And so I'm like, oh, why is the line is not moving forward? Why? So I, I go in and I make my way. And I come to the doors to the main hall. And I see like, they closed. And so I'm like, why are the door closed? People are waiting to come in. And so I open the doors. And right there, the room is already full. The room is full of God, of people raising their hands to God, crying out in worship, on their knees. There's such an atmosphere in that place. God's presence is so strong. People are weeping. People are crying out to him. And so slowly I realize what's going on. And my first thought is we need a second service. <laughs> because people are queuing to go in. They couldn't go in because the room was full, but they were waiting, waiting on an opportunity to come in and praise God, waiting on an opportunity to come and worship God. This is what God wants for this church. But then God left me with that one sentence. Do you dare to believe? Church, do we dare to believe this morning? Do we dare to believe that this can happen? Because God's will is for revival in this nation. And we, we speak it all the time. We, we're out there. But if we want to see it, it's going to require something from us. It's going to require complete obedience. Just like Jesus. Just like Abraham. When God says, go talk to that person. When God says, jump off the plane. You jump. Because you know he's a good father. You know you need to fear him. You know your life is in his hands. It doesn't belong to you. So you go and do because if we want to see something different in this nation, in Horsham, in Crawley, in Worthing, in Burgess Hill, it's going to require something different from us, church. If we keep repeating and behaving the same way, we're only going to see the same results. Something needs to change in us. And so when Pastor Clive said, come to Impact on Wednesday, but God, I don't feel like it. But God, I, my couch is comfortable. But God, I just got back from work. God, I want to watch Netflix. You hear all this discussion, all this. Abraham didn't have none of it. 
Church, we need to get on our knees and pray. Because our fight, our war is not like the, the soldiers jumping off the plane and going to fight physically. Our war is spiritual. We need to take our weapons and fight. We need every one of you to be here on Wednesday and cry on behalf of your friends, of your family, of this town. There are 60,000 people out there. They're waiting for you. And so we stand there in that plane. Then that plane, we're holding on to the plane. We're holding on to the plane. The plane is your zone of comfort. It's what you know, it's where you've been, it's your church, it's, it's, it's everything you know. And God is saying, jump, jump out there. I got something better for you. Jump out there, I need to use you. Yeah, but God, it looks scary. Yeah, but God, what about this? Yeah, but God, no, jump, jump. There are people depending on you down there, just jump. I don't know if you get it. <laughs> and so God is requiring that jump from us every day of our lives, every minute of our life. You know, you know, if he purchased your whole life, your time is in his hands. It belongs to you. However, he wants to use your time. That's how it should be. And I'm talking to myself as well. God, I have two hours now in the train onto London. Well, I got two hours now before I have my next meeting. How do you want me to use this time? What do you want me to do? Is there someone I can speak to? It's a change of mindset. It's a change of gear. If we were in gear two, we switched into gear five. It's time. Something needs to happen. But it's going to require a daily sacrifice from us. Because in revival, there's a cost to revival. You don't live for yourself in revival. You live for others. Will you live for the people that are there in the darkness? You have to go and reach them out. When people in revival, it's not easy. It's harder than now. When people come on your door and knock at 3 a.m. in the morning and you go down in your PJs and you're like, oh, what do you want? I don't know. I don't know what I want, but I just know I need to be here. I know there's something in me. I've seen this door. I need to be here. What do you do? Did you close the door? No, I know why you're here. Come in. Let me tell you about Jesus. He loves you so much. Come on. There's a cost. Are we ready to live like that every day and pay that cost? I'm screaming because I'm getting excited. I'm sorry. But... Each and every one of us have that responsibility. And it's going to require complete obedience to God. Just like Abraham, just like Jesus, he requires us to understand that this life we have is not our own. We are not living for ourselves. We are living for the people out there. And if we want to see this picture come through, come true, there needs to be something that changes in us. And so today, I want to ask you, can, the band guys, can you come up? Today, I want to ask you guys, tell God, teach me this fear of you, Lord, that I may not question, that I would not discuss, that I would not complain, but I would just obey. And let me step into something greater. Because we often say, God, here I am, use me. But then God sends you somewhere and you're like, oh, maybe not. This morning is between you and God. This morning, you have a responsibility. And I want to read one last story. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. And I've told you about Abraham and Moses being called friend of God. And 
Moses was thus a God-fearing man because we've seen that those who are friends are those who fear him. And it simply says at the end of chapter um, 20, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast from the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us directly or we will die. Moses answers, don't be afraid for God has come in this way to test you so that you fear of him and will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. The cloud might have looked scary. It was lightning, it was thunder, but God was right in that cloud. This morning, you can either be Israel and be afraid of God, or you can be Moses and you can fear the Lord and know, I gotta step in. I gotta step into something greater. I gotta go meet my God. I gotta go encounter him. And Moses go on to have one of the most incredible encounters and he comes back with all the law and all of that. But he gave an opportunity to Israel to step into that as well. Come with me. This is God testing you. Come with me. Don't be afraid. Israel was afraid. And that's where you see being afraid of God is not the fear of the Lord. But if God says, come, we come towards the cloud. We come towards that cloud. This morning, each and every one of us have a responsibility in this room. We're going to sing a song that says, I see the cloud and I'm not afraid. I see the cloud and I'm stepping in. God, show me your glory. And I know we don't do this often, but we are going to stand up. Let's, let's all stand up. And I want us, as we sing that song, I want you to... Take a step, come out of your rows, do what you have to do, come here in the front, but take a physical step as a declaration. God, I'm stepping towards that cloud. God, I'm coming. God, I'm seeing those greater things. God, teach me this fear of you, Lord. God, teach me something afresh. Ignite something in me that will be so rooted down that I understand my life is not my own. That I will obey you 24-7, not just when I want to. That my time is yours. And whatever it looks like, my life is going to be a living sacrifice. It's time to step in. Thank you, Jesus. And let me tell you, when you step in, there is a position. There is all kind of stuff. There is values. Maybe the way isn't the way you think it will go. But God is building your character, teaching you stuff in the valleys, in the darkness, so that when the spotlight hits and you're on stage, He knows He can trust you. He knows He can rely on you. He knows He's put good things inside of you that you will be able to release. Because there's always a so that. We don't sit in church here for ourselves. You sit in church to receive so that you can go and release it. You're here this morning, hearing this message, so that your family won't be the same. So that your friends won't be the same. So that your workplace won't be the same. There's always a so that. And today we decide to step into that so that.
because God, I want to see a difference. And each of you have that responsibility. If one part of the body doesn't play its part, the body doesn't work. It doesn't matter if the leadership's the most anointed, the most, they have a vision, they have everything, they're running for it, but if the church not running, following. You have a responsibility this morning. So we're gonna sing that song. And I want you guys to step out of your robes. I want you to do, do make that physical step. I don't care how, how, how it looks or whatever and cry out to God like never before. Cry out to God. God, this is a new season. Do something new in me. It doesn't matter how many times you've said it before. Today marks the beginning of something where we're stepping into this fresh season that God has for us as a church. When we're stepping into seeing those people queuing, coming in. I don't know why I'm here, but I know I need to encounter God. I don't know why I'm here, but I need to see a change in my life. And you're gonna be like, yes, come on. Come, I'll invite you in, I'll stay with you, I'll pray with you, I'll invite you to my house. Let me show you what it looks like. Church, remember, we are not driven by emotions. And although today we make this commitment and God's presence is so tangible, it's right there. Tomorrow, you're gonna have to go to work. Tomorrow, you're gonna have to deal with your family, with your friends, with your colleagues. Tomorrow is when the rubber hits the road. But you're gonna have to say every minute of every day, my life is not my own God. Do what you want to do. Help me see what you want to see. Help me see this person as you see them. Help me release your love. Enable me. Because God has given you everything you need inside of you. Every spiritual heavenly blessing is inside of you. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's right there. And it's not you doing anything. But every time you're going to jump off that plane, God is going to see you through. God will carry you. God, and that's how it increased. Faithful in the small things. God will give you bigger things. Start serving in church. Start getting involved. Start showing up at prayer meeting. You'll be amazed what God starts, starts doing because He sees you are faithful. Remember church, it's about tomorrow. It's not about right now. Right now something has started and something is there inside of you. It's been established. But you got to cultivate it. you got to cultivate it every day. Every day in your secret place. you got to cultivate it. And I know this is one-on-one Christian stuff. I just feel like God is reminding us that right now. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to finish this moment. But can we just, on the count of three, don't do it right away, but can we just give God, after we've heard so much about the fear of the Lord and what it means to be in awe of Him, of of wonder at Him. Can we just give Him all the glory, praise and honor He deserves as a declaration. Yes, God, again, I'm stepping into this. Yes, God, You are are everything I, I need. You are the source of life. You are living water as we were singing. You are everything I need. On the count of three, I want to hear you, church, give the loudest cry of praise and worship to God. All right? Are you ready? (laughs) All right, three, two, one.
Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel good to rise above all the emotions and all the all the things of every day? We rise up above that. We declare, my soul will sing praises to you. And we rise up above all that noise, knowing that God is greater than any of it. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know how to end this, actually. I want to stay here and just not leave. But there are people there waiting for us. So we're going to go, and this week's going to be different, church. I'm so excited to see all those orange cards next week. Make sure you come and write them. Thank you so much for coming to church. I'm so sorry we ran over time. Oh, do you, I feel like you come in, Steve. I am. Man, we needed that this morning. And this morning is, it's, it's God initiating something, okay? It's not just, well, that was a great time today, wasn't it? And, and it becomes a memory. It's what God is starting, initiating. And how, how you personally carry on with God will determine what he's initiated, carrying on. We're not dependent on having to wait till next week. Uh, but what happens in your own, as, as um, Kevin said, in your own secret place is what you continue to fuel and what you put on the fire, you know, in that in that respect. So uh, God is doing something and initiating something. We know there's been stuff happening throughout the year, but it's like, uh, you know, I know one or two people said to me, well, the breakout, break, you know, all this stuff, you know, we're in, we're in November now, what's going on? It's like, yeah, but we're still in 2018. And what God is initiating this year will determine what next year, the following year and the subsequent years are going to be like. And, uh, and so it's not just about the now, the moment, it is because we can only live in the moment, but it's what that moment then releases and opens up that we step into and move into as, as a church. And that encouragement today, you know, the Wednesday night, the last thing we want to do is just try and encourage people to come to a prayer meeting. You know, or he just wants to pray. No, it's what happens when we gather to pray and, and, and what gets released in amongst us. Your life matters in this church. Your life matters. God has called us to be a body of people. And, and when God calls us to do certain things and he calls us to be a praying people, when we engage and respond to that is what then gets released and accelerated because we join together in, in whatever context or in small groups and getting connected in relationally like that and all the different things that make up who we are. It's not just what we do. It's why we gather in small groups. It's why we pray. Why do we have a Sunday? It's, it's all about releasing the purposes of God, releasing the presence of God, releasing God amongst us and through us. Amen. So uh, thanks, Kevin, for bringing the word this morning. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.